Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon of the Action Network, and this is our NFC South offseason fantasy preview episode. Here to help me break it down, one of the top rankers in the game, Sean Kerner. Sean, what's going on? I'm actually pumped to talk about this NFC South. We should have all four teams with different week one quarterbacks uh, this season, which makes the projections extra fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is an interesting division. I think it's wide open. Uh, and uh, should be some interesting spots to invest uh, in fantasy as well. Uh, so let's jump right into it. Uh, start with the Saints. They are the favorite. Garrett Carr is going to QB19. He signed a four-year, $150 million deal, 100 mil guaranteed. I think my concern with Carr is, you know, looking at him going to a new offense. I know he's had mm. they've had Gruden in there, kind of giving him tips and uh, I mean, the, the first year, he's been in a, in a year one of an offense four times in his NFL career, and they've been his four worst years in passer rating, completion rate, yards attempt, yards per game. So uh, there is some talent here on this offense, but mm-hmm. I do worry a little bit about just Carr, you know, going to get another new offense. You know, there was a lot of, um, I think, optimism for him last year that McDaniels offense, you know, getting uh, Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams puts up massive numbers and Carr still t- uh, takes a step backwards. So I, I'm just, a, I'm a little worried about Carr. And then you, you factor in that there's a lot of guys he could get benched for on his team. That I'm, I'm not liking. Like, I know he's the hundred million dollar man, so he probably won't, but right. like still got Jameis. You got rookie Jake Hayner, who's been like, I don't know, he's been getting some hype. And he also got Taysom Hill still lingering there too. So uh, yeah. I'm a little down on Carr, as you could tell. What about you? Oh yeah. Same here. Um, you know, I, I'm in line with his ranking. Um, just because, you know, he was QB 19 in points per game last year. Uh, he's a high floor guy. He's probably more likely to finish top 20 than a lot of the guys in this mm-hmm. range, but he has a, a low weekly ceiling. So that, that hurts him in best ball, um, and in redraft. So he's just kind of in no man's land down there where, yeah, he might end up being the QB 19, but he's not going to provide your team 
much value in any format. I think the, the only possible way I would use him is, you know, stacks obviously with Olave, but maybe stacking him with Michael Thomas, because if Michael Thomas stays healthy and he has a good year, then Derek Carr probably did provide you some value at QB 19, but that's about it. Like he he's in a range where he's the last quarterback I want to be taking in that range. And I thought it was funny too, because I thought, you know, it's not a lock. He can hold off Jameis Winston or the rookie or Taysom Hill, even though they are paying him a ton of money, like he, he doesn't have that strong of a job to be in the top 20. So it, it does seem like maybe he has a lower floor than we think. Um, so even though I'm roughly in this range, I, I don't really want to be taking him. Yeah. Let's not forget. Uh, Taysom Hill put about 50% of the quarterback snaps last year, you know, like Dalton, yeah. Dalton was a starter and Dalton played pretty well, but uh, you know, in any given game, he would miss between like five and twenty-five percent of the uh of the how, snaps. How many of those snaps were in the red zone or like goal line? Quite quite a few because Taysom Hill was uh, you know, he he got double digit opportunities in, you know in, in the red zone last year. Yeah. So essentially Taysom Hill kind of was their red zone quarterback a lot of the time, and then he, he would come in and run the ball. It hurts Kamara as well. Um we'll talk about. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think there is some hidden downside to Carr, even though he seems kind of like a boring high floor guy. As long as he's in there, I think he'll be, you know, okay. But I don't think, like you said, I don't think the ceiling's there. And I uh, just have some – we've seen the red flags on him just moving to a, a new offense. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about – let's start with Olave. He's wide receiver 14. Obviously – I mean, he broke out in year one, so I don't even want to say year two breakout, but year two leap <laughs> candidate. Yeah. Eight, 23, age 23 season coming up. I'm very impressed with what he was able to do un- underlying metrics-wise and just watching him, you know, th- he was targeted downfield most of the time. His average at the target was 15 yards, uh, and yet his targets per route rate was 27%. So he averaged 2.4 yards per route, which is very good. 14 and a half yards per catch, very good. Um, and he only ran about 29 routes per game. They weren't, they're not a very pass heavy team. So there's some upside there. I think the only thing maybe that could hold him back is Michael Thomas could come back and, and, mm-hmm. and actually be healthy, but, uh, but let's just Olave in a vacuum. What do you think of him? He's up to wide receiver 14. So the price is, is high. You're not getting a discount, but yeah. <laughs> he's a talented dude. Yeah, no, I wouldn't want to bet against him because he, he surprised me as a rookie. I thought, he was going to be good, but not that good, especially in your run. So like you said, uh, you know, he finished as the wide receiver 25 last year, but an ascending talent like that, he could take a massive leap in year two, which is scary mm-hmm. to think because he's already really good. But I do think he benefited from, you know, Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry missing time. They were trying to figure out what the hell to do with the receivers. They eventually stumbled upon Rashid Shahid, who we'll talk about. But I think Olave is going to have more competition this year. Defenses know how good he is, so they're going to scheme against him. But, uh, you know, his ADP seems fair. It's honestly probably closer to his ceiling. Um, So the market's just being extra sharp right now. How could you not want to invest in him? Um, But I think, you know, taking a flyer on like a Thomas or Shahid later uh, is probably better. Um, So I think, you know, wide receiver 14s. Uh, a little rich for me. I haven't as my wide receiver 17, so not that far off. But like I said, I think this is closer to the ceiling right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't mind it because like, like you said, it, for me, it's just I, the one thing I've always learned is, is just don't bet against these like breakouts for receivers. Like I'm yeah. not, you know, it's just like, I, yeah, he, he, he might take him at 14 and he might finish 
17 or, or, or 20, but I, I do think he has some top 10 upside, actually. I, yeah, I, I, oh, he absolutely does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm fine with him there. Uh, I think the more interesting thing is Michael Thomas. He's 30 now. He only played three. He, I, I don't, it doesn't seem like, like five years ago that he even played three games last year. Uh, <laughs> but he was actually a yeah. top 10 receiver in those three games. He caught uh, three touchdowns and 16 passes for 171 yards in the three games he played on 22 targets. Um, I don't know. Like, what do you? What do you? How do you factor in these injuries? And it's just it's, like I, I don't know what it is with him. Just like chronic, almost. If you yeah, like. that's that's the problem. Is uh, we don't really know how good he is right now. He's still been good when he's been in there, but he's only played ten games the past three seasons. So yeah. he could be declining. He could still be an elite receiver. You know, we don't know. So honestly, this is just betting on him staying healthy, which I, I have no reason to believe that you know he's going to miss. 10 plus games again this year. So this is obviously a player we're going to have to monitor very closely, you know, the coming months to see what's up with his toe and whatever else is injured. Um, so if he stays healthy, he's going to crush this ADP. So I think he is absolutely worth some flyers in this range. And like I said, stacking him with Derek Carr specifically makes a ton of sense because, you know, them both having good seasons is highly correlated. Um, so yeah, I, I'm interested in at wide receiver 48, but you can't go nuts because again, not be shocked if he misses 10 plus games this year. So he's kind of, you know, just kind of a crap shoot in this range. Yeah. Another guy I think I'd prefer in redraft just because of the missed game potential. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, at, at 48, I don't mind it. Um, I, I, I don't think he'll be, I, I think he'll still be the number two. I think Olave is just too good at this point, right. but uh, he still has double digit touchdown upside, even though he's actually never done his career high is nine, but I do think 17, Game season, I do think he has double-digit touchdown upside. Uh, we saw him three and three games last year. Um, has the big body. But, you know, 48 is fine, you know, where he's going. But I, I'm always a little skeptical of, like, older, big-bodied receivers. So, um, yeah. I'm not going to over go, – go go crazy either. Um, Shahid is going at wide receiver 67. Another guy who could, you know, take a step forward this year. Uh, a little older, though, twenty age 25. Uh, year this year and uh but uh, he was talking about 18 percent of his routes 2.6 yards per route because he had a lot of big plays um the a dot was actually lower than olave so about 11 and a half yards on average downfield he was targeted but what do you think of shahid yeah i i love shahid here uh you know he was a bit of an unknown heading into his rookie season last year at weber state uh he was forced into action just due to so many injuries and he flashed like whenever he was in there he was producing so he just kind of made himself a starter and weeks 12 through 17 was when he ran a route over 70% of the time in every game. And he was wide receiver 38 over that stretch. Uh, again, you know, he was still kind of adjusting the NFL. They were trying to figure out how to use him, And they've said in the off season, they want to move him around the formation, uh, expand his route tree. So there's potential for him to be, you know, a, a wide receiver three in this offense, but you know, with Michael Thomas back, that could certainly hurt. Um, so I think with Shahid, the upside is, you know, Michael Thomas potentially missing time and becoming the number two, uh, target in this offense. So I think he goes in the range where you definitely want to take flyers on a, a guy that has this much upside and he should be playing, you know, in week one, like he, he should be in the starting lineup. So I think he might offer a higher floor than people realize. So I, I love getting Shahid, you know, in the late sixties at wide receiver. Yeah. Especially in best ball, because, you know, if Thomas oh, yeah. does stay healthy, it's going to be tough to be consistent for Shahid, but yeah. the talent is there and the big play potential is there. And Thomas hasn't stayed healthy, so you might get some, you might get a, a, a top two receiver exactly. for a bunch of 
uh, a bunch of games for this team. Uh, A.T. Perry was a rookie, six-rounder. He's going at wide receiver 113, so there's some love for him. Uh, and then Juwan Johnson's a tight end 15. He re-upped for two years, 12 mils, so he's get, got about 11 and a half of that guaranteed, so uh, they obviously like him. Uh, you know, he looked like a clear-cut tight end one, I think, did Johnson with, with Adam Troutman gone. Troutman played 57% of the snaps last year, but uh, then they signed Foster Moreau for eight mm-hmm. mil guaranteed. So they signed Johnson for about 12 mil guaranteed. And then they got, they got Moreau for eight mil guaranteed. <laughs> that maybe is a little red flag on Shahid. Maybe they're going to use, continue to go tight end to tight mm-hmm. end sets. Uh, but I think Johnson is interesting. Um, what, what do you think of him? You know, obviously some regression there at the touchdowns, but do you think he can kind of take that next step and be a little bit more consistent this year? He, that's a tough one because, you know, at, Tight end 16, he kind of has to uh, either repeat or kind of like outproduce last season. So he was tight end 16 in points per game last year. Uh, that's if you don't count Taysom Hill as a tight end. We could talk about that later. Uh, but Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill is like tight end six or something. But, um, you know, that was with Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry missing a lot of the season. So um, just Michael Thomas um, returning and being healthy could ding Juwan quite a bit. Uh, and you know, Foster Moreau, like you mentioned, like he could eat into his workload. Taysom Hill, obviously, you know, is going to eat in his workload. So I'm in line with his ADP a, a bit here, but I'd much rather target a Greg Dulcich or Dalton Kincaid in this range. Um, you know, I just think they have a higher floor ceiling combo. And with Johnson, he's not a lock. So uh, he, he could have a lower floor than people realize. So uh, I'm passing up on Juwan at uh, tight end 16. Yeah, I think the Moreau signing really worries me because remember yeah, Carr, yeah. Carr also has the chemistry. Oh, with, true. Moreau. I didn't figure that. Yeah. yeah. No so like Moreau there, I mean, eight mil to I know it's still, you know, three and a half mil more guaranteed for Johnson, but that, you know, that just Moreau could play the most snaps of any tight end on this team. Like so, and the yeah. fact that you still have Taysom Hill working, probably gonna get, you know, 10%, 15% of the routes uh at, at tight end. Um, he's I mean, he's going. If you use his AP, like whether it's quarterback or tight end, his ADP is around 35th at the position. No, uh, I, I, at either is he position. eligible at tight end anywhere still? Uh, I believe so. I believe so. I mean, he was the tight end last year. Uh, I mean, probably should be able to do a running back. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I believe he is in, in some leagues. Um, but I, I think he's a little undervalued. Obviously, you know, gets outlying touchdown production, but he also gets outlying red zone usage. So um, he's, he's always kind of interesting, especially in deeper leagues. But uh, speaking of the running backs, you know, Kamara, RB31, and then William Jamal Williams signed a three-year deal with uh, eight, about just over $8 million guaranteed. Uh, and then they drafted Kendra Miller in the third round out of TCU, guy with some some, some good vision, patience. Um, not not the fastest, most explosive guy, but um, mm-hmm. you know, good, good, good kind of all-around runner. Uh, what do you think of this backfield? With, with Kamara obviously facing a, a potential suspension. Yeah, well, it's a mess, but let's let's try to sort through it because, you know, Kamara's RB31. Clearly, the market is factoring in the potential of a suspension. Finally. Um, yeah, finally. Like, what was up with Alexander Madison being here? Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, it does, you know, last year he was able to escape it. We kind of knew that by this time last year. But it does seem more likely that he will face some sort of suspension. Now, I'm not a lawyer, uh, but it seems like the sharp money from people with, like, legal expertise and, you know, uh, are more keen on these things think he should get he will get like a four to eight week suspension so for my projections i'm just saying around six weeks 
uh, he'll probably miss. Um, and with Kamara, you know, you're not just getting a top five back when he does return, potentially. He was RB17 in points per game last season. I mean, he's been declining uh, as a talent. And like you said, Taysom Hill does siphon away a lot of those uh, red zone goal line touches that you know, you kind of need Kamara to get um, to be a top 10 running back. So it's really tough to get behind him at 31 if you do think he'll miss around six games. Um, so, you know, that that's a range where, you know, if if you know he's going to get 9 to 12 games of RB2 value, let's say, and 48 games of no value, it, it's probably break even if we're being honest and at that range. So I think Jamal Williams, you know, he's going right around there. He can get you 48 games of RB2 value and potentially, you know, 9 to 12 games of RB3 flex value. So I think I'd rather go with Jamal Williams there. He just probably has more upside. Uh, but it, I think the ADP for both these guys is about fair. Like if I were to crunch out all the numbers with the potential suspension, like low 30s for both of these guys actually does make a ton of sense. Yeah, yeah. Kamara, like I think the – you, you kind of hit on it with the Taysom thing. It's, it's worrisome because uh, Kamara's first five years in the league, he averaged 21 carries and five targets inside the 10-yard line. Last year, just eight carries and one target inside the 10-yard yeah. line. And Brutal. then you also, you signed the guy who led the NFL in carries inside the 10, yeah. Jamal Williams. So yeah. I a lot more downside. I, I think Kamara's best years have passed him by. There's a chance he gets like, a lot, even if he's like gets RB2 usage, it, fantasy RB2 usage. I don't know if the touchdowns will be there because he's not as explosive to where he's, you know, getting yeah. these longer touchdowns. So, yeah, I, I don't really have much. It, it, the, the price is probably fair, but I still think a little more downside than up uh, there. Williams, yeah, I think last year was a better time to invest in him. Um, yeah, but, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I don't, I don't hate it here, but probably, yeah. probably where he needs to be and then and then miller going at 46 i mean uh you know what do you think of his prospects uh you know third rounder out of tcu yeah no i i do like him i think that was a good landing spot and, and you know he's a talented third rounder out of tcu he's more than capable of being a true three down workhorse back and he's you know he's a bigger back he he can go anywhere between 215 220 pounds so he could handle a going uh, duties if needed, but they already have Taysom Hill and Jamal there and Kamara when he's uh, playing. So I, I don't see the upside. Um, he has a clearer path to value than other number three running backs. So, you know, the RB45 range, this is another example. I think the market is dead on. I think that makes a ton of sense. That's that's where he should go um, because likely Kamara misses the first six games or so uh, and he's the backup and he's a Jamal injury way of potentially being an RB2. So I think that's baked into the price here. Now, it will be interesting once we do have some clarity on Camara to see how these kind of shuffle out. Um, I think that might be the time to invest once we have, once we have more clarity. Because I think right now, based on the uncertainty, all these guys are priced like exactly where they should be. Yeah. I mean, probably, I mean, maybe even a little up over because, yeah, I mean – Kamara's RB31, but like it's going to be tough for three of them to finish top 45, you know? It, yeah. So yeah. I mean, Kamara's well, probably gonna be, who I worry about the most. They're going to be providing value at different times. Yeah, exactly. That's why it makes sense because, yeah. and it depends on the format. Like Kamara makes more sense in like a redraft league because you can get by without him for the first six games, let's say, um, where it's it's easier to replace a guy. 
Um, but yeah, I just think in best ball, all these guys will probably provide value, like enough value to hit these ranges. It's just a shit show. There's such a wide range of outcomes where, you know, the, it's it's up to you to kind of base your risk tolerance and build teams accordingly. But I think they're fairly priced at the moment. Yeah, like I think Miller's a guy, if you fade Kamara and, and Williams, Miller's a guy you definitely want because, mm-hmm. like, let's say Kamara misses the first six games. If Miller has a really good first six games, yeah. uh, I hope, you know, then now are you in a three-way committee? You know, it's it, – so I think there's, like, there's downside with Williams, there's downside with Kamara – Miller is upside now. He's bearing fairy price for that upside, but yeah, I think that's kind of the play. I think you're either you're either betting on you know Kamara and Williams, or or you're betting on Miller. Um, I think that's how you kind of want to. Yeah, I, I think just the cheapest guy with all yeah. this uncertainty, the cheapest guy uh, is probably the way to go. That's kind of how we handle 49ers backfields in, in the past. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. But in the past, uh, all right. Who do you like for undervalued sleepers on the Saints? Uh, I got to go with Rashid Shahid just because he does offer a ton of upside where he's going like close to wide receiver 70. And that's where you kind of cash in if Michael Thomas is unable to get through a full season. So I think where Shahid is going, I think he makes the most sense. Uh, yeah, for me, it's uh, I think Thomas is a little bit undervalued, but, you know, obviously I think that's more redraft just because the missed game possibility. But uh, Taysom Hill also, I think Taysom is going to continue to have that role. Um, so if you, if you can get him tight end eligible, I think he smashes his, you know, tight end 34 ADP. Uh, so yeah, Taysom Hill, uh, for me, uh, what about, uh, overvalued guys busts? I got to go Juwan Johnson just because he, he's being drafted closer to his ceiling. Like last year is probably his ceiling. Uh, and that's exactly where he's being drafted. Now he has Foster Moreau there. You pointed out the connection with Derek Carr. I didn't even think of that. Uh, so Moreau could eat in his usage, obviously Taysom Hill and, you know, the goal line packages, will eat a Johnson's touch on upside. So I think last year was the time to buy in on him, but this year at tight end 16, I'm out. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, I think Johnson's overvalued. I think the Moreau signing was big. Uh, that just yeah. kind of changed a lot. Uh, I think Carr, I, I don't I don't like the red flags I see with him. Uh, and uh, and Kamara, same thing. I think, you know, Kamara could come back and still not be super valuable, yeah. <laughs> um, even, even with, you know, 15 plus touches a game. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of potential for downside here. Um, a lot of wide range of outcomes though for the saints um i know there'll be kind of the the market will be kind of all over the place with them another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go to the Falcons. This is a team I really like. Um, obviously, the weakest part of their team is the quarterback position. You got Ritter going at 31 and Heineke going at 44. 
Uh, what are your thoughts on, you know, kind of going forward with uh, these two at, at QB? Yeah, well, it looks like, or it sounds like Ritter's a lock to be the week yeah. one starter unless yep. something weird happens. So I bet he does have a fairly long leash. Um, you know, Heineke's not good enough for them to be too tempted <laughs> to, to go the other way. So that I think they definitely want to see what Ritter has. Um, and it, it's going to be a very run-heavy offense again. But, you know, Ritter has two of the best young pass-catching talents and Drake London and Kyle Pitts and, you know, a generational talent at running back in Bijan Robinson, who's also a good pass catcher. So uh, combining that with Ritter's sneaky rushing ability, it could be similar to what we saw like from Marcus Mariota earlier last season. I know we were talking about him quite a bit in like DFS and like being mm -hmm. a high upside QB two. So Ritter is absolutely worth a flyer at QB 31. It, we can't project him to start, you know, 14 or more games, let's say, but he just offers too much upside. And I think a safer floor than people think uh, at QB 31. So I do like Ritter there. Uh, I, so I, I don't really like Tyler Heineke where he's going. I think uh, Ritter is definitely kind of in the range where I want to take him. Yeah, I, I like the rushing upside. You know, he it's like it's not as much as like a true scrambling quarterback, but he did right. scramble 8% of the time last year, which is, is you know, the league average about 4 to 5%. Uh, he averaged 16 rushing yards per game. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think there is some intriguing kind of, you know, QB two upside there, just enough rushing upside and just such a good receiving core and the O-line should be pretty good as well. Uh, yeah, so yep. it's really just how much can he do, but they, they've definitely, it could be like a Tannehill, you know, Titans type of, you know, we have Arthur Smith here. Arthur Smith has always been good at kind of maximizing the talent, uh, even if it's a run heavy offense. So yeah, like Ritter, uh, you mentioned the pass catchers, Drake London going wide receiver 25. You know, he had, uh, he was targeted 27% of his routes. That's very good. 2.1 yards per route. So he didn't really suffer as much as a guy like Kyle Pitts did um, in, in that offense. What do you think of him? Well, obviously I love Drake London. Um, I, I still believe in my comp of he's a blend of Ken Allen and Mike Evans. I, I really do believe it. But, you know, he is on a run heavy offense which does hurt his his ceiling, but he was so involved last year. He ranked 14th in percentage of the team's air yards. He saw a target on 27% of his routes. So while they are going to be run heavy, uh, even more so with B. John Robinson, I'm guessing, he should see enough volume to, to overcome that. Uh, and he's younger. You know, he's only going to be 22 this season. Yep. So a year or two leap is certainly in the cards. Um, and if he breaks out, if Kyle Pitts breaks out, maybe they do throw a little bit more. Um, so I, I do like him in this range. I think he, he definitely warrants it just based on talent alone, but I wouldn't go too much higher. Like I wouldn't take him inside the top 23. So I think his ADP is fair, but you absolutely want to invest in some Drake London, just get, you know, some of this talent heading into year two. And when, oh, he was uh wide receiver 22 in the final four games with Ritter under center. They, they look like they had really good chemistry. So that was encouraging to see. So, you know, full off season should help there. Uh, I will say there was no Kyle Pitts yep. uh, for those games, but either way, just seeing that he had more chemistry with Ritter, I think the Mariota uh, is a positive heading of this year. Yeah. Uh, another guy. Yeah. I just, I, I just want to invest in, cause I think you, he takes a year to leap, you know, even with the volume on the offense, even with Pitts back, uh, I think he's going to be productive uh, for, for the Falcons. Matt Collins is there. Why receives the going as the wide receiver 98. Uh don't think he's going to be a massive factor. They probably want him to block and, and stuff. But uh, what do you think of Pitts? He's going tight in seven, six or seven 
uh, depending on your, your league. Only 52% of his targets were catchable last year. So, you know, that was down from 66% uh, in, in 2021. Now, I don't think, you know, Ritter is going to get back to that Matt Ryan level, but could be, yeah. you know, there is room to grow when you're only getting, when only half of your targets are catchable. <laughs> Yeah, no. Well, to be fair, I mean, he has a pretty high A dot. It was around 14, right? So right. you're going to yep. see yep. you're going to see fewer catchable balls. But either way, you know, he's been held back by, you know, quarterback play, the scheme. There was that uh, weeks three and four last year. He only ran around 65 percent of the time. I think Arthur Smith wanted him blocking more, so he's had to overcome a lot of things. But he's still a generational talent. He's still only going to be what 22 years old this year. 23. Um, yeah. So he's turning 23 this year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, still a guy you want to invest in. I think tight end six is fair. The question is, do you want him or Darren Waller? And I'm going with Kyle Pitts over Darren Waller. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so I yeah. think tight end six makes sense. Um, he still has a ton of upside. This offense does limit him, but I think he he's still a player I, I want to be investing in. Yeah, because we're already kind of factoring in, you know, what happened last year. We're already factoring in that they're going to be run heavy, you know. So yeah, I think there's a lot of upside for a guy that put up 1,000 yards as a tight end at age 21. Um, still, yep. still hasn't realized his touchdown potential. The guy's six, six and two fifty, and he has three touchdowns in his career. Um, I, I mean, you could look at that as a red flag too, but I, I look at it as more of kind of a issue with the, the quarterbacks, which isn't resolved necessarily, <laughs> Yeah, but like, there's just room to grow and tight end gets pretty ugly fast. And, you know, I'll take the 23 year old pits over the what? 30 year old, 31 year old, uh, 31 year old. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so Bijan is going RB3, first rounder, eighth overall out of Texas, good at pretty much everything. Uh, explosive, <laughs> elusive, fast, good pass catcher, good blocker, uh, good good size. Um, yeah, I, any, I mean, what do you what are you thinking here? Top five pick on uh, on this guy, even though we've never seen him play it down. Absolutely, and I, you know, he landed in such a great spot. You know, he's a generational talent lands in a run heavy offense with a great offensive line you already mentioned that but yep. that's huge here um so and he's fully capable and will be the workhorse back on day one he's a good pass catching back so it's it was good to see Ritter he was much more willing to check down his running backs uh, yeah. in his four starts than Mariota so a lot of the running back you know pass catching stats didn't look great last year but that was due to Mariota uh so I think he could see you know three to four catches every game um, and Tyler Algier, you know, he's getting eaten in his touches some, but there's so much volume to go around. I don't think it matters. Uh, and if Algier goes down, I mean, we could see Bijan getting 25 plus carries a game. So uh, Bijan has number one overall upside uh, and a very high floor. So I was saying, you know, running back three was a bit steep earlier. Uh, I think right now I would still take Barkley over him, but that's it. So I think Bijan would be my RB four. So this is just an instance of, yeah, there, there's hype around him. He's a sexy pick, but I think the ADP is about right. He should be going super high, even though we haven't seen him yet. He just has so much upside. And running backs, they can just hit right away. Um, so I would say taking him RB4 makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Like, I, I still take Henry over him, but I, I don't, I don't oh, mind yeah. Henry. Um, <laughs> I, I forgot I, to – I do yeah. like I, I do like uh, the big man, but yeah, love Bijan as a talent. I think if we were drafting like right now for twenty twenty four, not just dynasty, but like twenty twenty four redraft, I would take him number one overall. Oh, like that's that for next year. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, right, for exactly. next year. Like if we were drafting for twenty, I would take him number one overall. Right now, though, I think RB four is fair. Right. Uh, I like I like Algier at RB forty. I I just think this team is 
first of all, I think Bijan's going to uh, be used as a pass catcher as well. Um, I think he's going to split out in the slot some. They love this yeah. positionless football. Uh, and remember, you know, even with because this is such a run heavy team, I think there will be enough uh, carries for uh, Algier to hit double digit touches uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of weeks. And obviously, if Bijan goes down, you got big upside there. Uh, so I actually like the price for for Algier. Atlanta was see yeah, second in the league with uh, just under twenty seven backfield carries uh, per game. So yeah. Yeah, I think RB40 is right about that range where, um, you know, you, you kind of need the r- running back to go down to get value. Like, if he can carve out RB3 flex value, that's got what you're asking yourself and other running backs in this range. Um, and I think just given the massive volume, it's likely. But I think in this range, I still rather have, like, Rashad Penny mm-hmm. or Devon A-Chain. We'll see what happens with Dalvin Cook. Uh, but I think there's no doubt that Algier is not going to be able to leapfrog Bijan. That's the only downside with him. But I agree. I think in the RB40 range, um, he does make sense just because you can make a case where he's producing RB3 flex value with Bijan healthy, especially if you think Bijan's going to line up in the slot or something. like They, they can still use Algier heavily, even with Bijan there. So I, I do like him in this range, but I, I'd still rather take like a penny or a chain, and that's about it in this range yeah for me it depends because like I, penny i've read you know in redraft sure uh but in best ball i know the missed games uh, i worry right. about uh and then hn i mean he could start the year as like the rb3 or even rb4 if, if he, yeah, yeah. Cook, he, so, just, he could be yeah. the number one or the number three yeah. i'm just saying the range of outcomes where alger we kind of yeah have a Our really floor. good idea what he's gonna be yeah we, we kind of exactly. know his floor um yeah so i, I do like him and i, I honestly patterson Cordero Patterson is going to RB 65. I actually like him too there because yeah. I think he's going to still get carries. I think he's still going to play, get his return. So that's a couple extra cracks at touchdowns. And I, but I also think he's going to play a lot more wide receiver this year. So kind of an intriguing mix uh, going for a guy that's essentially going to be free. So I, I do think he beats this ADP uh, as long as he's healthy uh, at, at 65. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, I just want all the Falcons cheap. backs. Yeah, yeah, the Falcons running backs. Essentially, that's what it comes down <laughs> to because he he is way too cheap, and they're going to carve out a role for him to produce. Yep. with Bijan there, so they, they've already kind of committed to that, and he's the kind of player he doesn't need that many touches to to out hit this. And then again, if any one of these running backs goes down, the other two benefit. So there is built in upside as well that I don't think the market's really factoring in right now. No, yeah, I have a lot of Patterson on a. Uh... Mm, on on nice. baseball is like my last running back RB six. Uh, all right. Uh, who do we like recap for Falcons undervalued guys sleepers? I think Desmond Ritter um, just because you kind of get like the Drake London, Kyle Pitts breakout, you know, Bijan being a good pass catching back um, Ritter playing 15 games is probably more likely than people think. So I think, and his rushing upside. So I think RB 31 yep. is a great time to QB, get a guy yeah. like Ritter. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Or yeah. QB 31. Yeah, I like Ritter, like Algier, like Patterson. I think all those guys yeah. are, are undervalued. Uh, what about overvalued guys or busts? No one. Uh, I think everybody is either appropriately priced or undervalued. So I, I can't make a case for anybody uh, being overpriced on the Falcons. Yeah, yeah, same here. I mean, you know, you mentioned Heineke, but he's going 44 at quarterback. I don't think that's true. <laughs> yeah, like, it's knock fair. yourself out. If you want yeah. to take him there, knock yourself out. But uh, all right, let's go to the Carolina Panthers. They got Bryce Young at quarterback, the, the rookie. Uh, they also got Dalton is there, uh, Andy Dalton there. Frank Reich is the head coach now. Uh, the offensive coordinator is, is Thomas Brown, who is uh, over there with Sean McVay. 
Um, you said he wants kind of a 50-50 split between Reich's old offenses and, and, and his Rams mm-hmm. offense. So uh, I guess just your thoughts on kind of the, 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 the stuff big overall regime change uh, in Carolina. Yeah, it's, well, it's hard to be overly confident, you know, how the offense will look in uh, 2023, uh, especially with the rookie QB under center. If they're going to have a mixed scheme, you know, it, it's not impacting my projections too much. Um, but, you know, Young, uh, I think he'll start right away. You know, they're, they're going to have the, the camp battle with Andy Dalton. I think they've already kind of hinted that Young's the QB one. So I, I think he's close to a lock to start week one. We'll see what happens. But he's similar to Kyle Murray in that he's small. He's athletic, uh, but he's more uh, he's more of a polished passer than Kyler, mm-hmm. and he doesn't lean on his legs as much. Um, so I, I don't know if he has uh, – again, he doesn't have the same upside as Anthony Richardson, but I do think he has more upside um, than C.J. Stroud. So I think QB 24, he might offer some value there uh, if you can get him there. Um, he doesn't have, like, the greatest pass-catching unit, but I think he'd get by with guys like Chark, uh, I like Mingo. We'll talk about him later. Uh, Hayden Hurst is okay. So I think he has enough to get by. And I think he'll he'll lean on his legs probably more than he wants year one to kind of overcome everything. So I think at QB 24, I can get behind Young. Whereas Stroud, I couldn't get behind uh, his ADP in this range. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think you know, I was always like a, a team Young. You know, I, just, I know some people felt Stroud should have gone – earlier and you know some people thought that maybe you know the panthers weren't going to pick uh, a small guy like young but i mean young is clearly the best quarterback in, in a class yeah. in terms of quarterback skills now richards could richardson be a better fantasy asset absolutely uh, but in just terms of pure quarterback and skills uh i think it, it's bryce young but you know andy dalton is there if he falters so i mean there is some there is some downside if he doesn't get off to a, a great start or, or whatever not but yeah um overall yeah i think it, it, i think he's priced fairly um I, you know dalton i i would like if it was like a not as good backup as andy dalton here <laughs> right um but you know it is what it is uh adam thieman i mean he got three years 25 mil 14 guaranteed it but he's this is gonna be his age 33 season uh posted career lows in yards per catch uh, at 10.2 Yards per route at 1.06. Yards after the catch at 2.3. A 21% contested catch rate was a career low. Uh, 0.014 or 1.4% of his his receptions he had a missed tackle forced on, which is a career low. Career low in his PFF grade. Career low in his run blocking. So this guy, I mean, there's there's a lot of red flags, which is why I say like, you know, we talked about this the other pod. He's going wide receiver 55. A guy like Robert Woods. Who's younger and not? It wasn't declining as quite as hard as going, you know, thirty spots later at receiver. So I find it tough to get behind Thielen, but I mean, I I get the other side of it. There's like he's he's fourteen mil guaranteed. He's gonna be the number one wide receiver on day one. Yeah, absolutely. And I I don't think he's like washed quite yet. Um, I, I watched some of the film last year, and he was more open than people realize. Cousins just opted to target Justin Jefferson and said, "And can you blame him?" Um, so I think he could be Bryce Young's number one target uh, to start the season anyway. So he seems like a safer high four type of guy in this range. Um, but I, I'm more interested in going for upside outside of the top 50. And you kind of uh, hit this home in our Texans preview is you get Robert Woods 30 slots later. And I kind of see them as similar. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how you kind of take advantage of that as opposed to like overdrafting Adam feeling a bit. Um, but I, I, I do think he'll help. 
um, Bryce Young um, out of the gate. Uh, he's just not a guy that I want to be targeting in best ball or redraft because this is the range you kind of want to go for like a guy that has upside to be a potential wide receiver two or wide receiver three. I don't think Thielen has that anymore. And, you know, you look at, yeah, the numbers decline last year and you say, okay, well, he, you know, watching the film, he did get open some, it wasn't as bad as it looked, but that was as, you know, the number two, number three, really at, at times target in that offense. Cause once they got Hawkinson, you know, Hawkinson was kind of number two. So like with, if the defense is treating him as a number one, they, that I, I just think that could end poorly for, for him, yeah. you know, this year. Um, Chark is going at wide receiver 65, about 10 spots lower than Thielen. He got five mil guaranteed on a one-year deal. He's 27, so he should be in his prime. Mm-hmm. It's a non-zero chance Chark could emerge as, like, the leading receiver for this team. Now, like, he's been very erratic, um, <laughs> but, like, not quite as erratic as it seems. He's uh, he's between 1.4 and 1.7 yards per route the last four years, and uh, 29% of his targets were, were, were deep, were 20 yards downfield or more last year, according to PFFs, and he was – uh, in the top you know, 20th percentile in terms of deep yards per route. So he, he has like some boom potential. Like as a best ball guy, I actually don't mind him. Uh, I think he does have some kind of boom potential, but um, it, I, yeah, it's the consistency. I I, I still don't, I, I still don't think it's going to be there. Uh, what about you? Yeah. I mean, so he, he bounced around a bit. I think he's been on what three teams now or four, maybe. Uh, I think this is third, but he's he's still only going to be 27 years yeah. old. So he's still in his prime. Have to remember that he's still, you know, a deep threat who has a ton of upside. So he's he's worth a flyer and best ball in this range. Just do the wide receiver room being fairly wide open and being a deep threat. So I think stacking him with uh, Bryce Young makes a ton of sense. Um, I think that's how he's going to unlock Young's upside. So I think, yeah. yeah, in the 64, I don't I don't know if he'll be the number one target. Maybe like lead the team in receiving yards. Yeah, he could. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, exactly. But not maybe in reception. So that's that's just his style. So he's perfect for best ball uh, in this range. Um, and, and yeah, so I think Chark and Mingo are the two guys in this wide receiver room I'm targeting. And Mingo, of course, is uh, is second rounder out of Ole Miss, uh, two two hundred twenty five pounds plus, uh, going at seventy two, uh, four point four six forty yard dash. Uh, it does a little struggle with, with route running at times, mm-hmm. but uh, does have some some good yak ability. Uh, so I think he's in the mix, and, and he's probably battling Terrace Marshall, who you know is kind of a holdover, but you know they're they're going to give him a shot. But uh, he's not going to cost them much if they want to completely move on um, from him. So he's going wide receiver eighty six. I'd rather just bet on the rookie in, in Mingo there, and then. Yeah. LaVisca's going at 102. I mean, he's going to be a gadget guy, so he probably doesn't hit that ADP unless he has, like, you know, I mean, Wright did mention, like, Chenault could do Debo Samuel-like things. I mean, maybe it's an outside shot that, like, the starters are Chark, Thielen, and <laughs> Chenault. So maybe I, 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 I'd probably worry about Marshall more than Chenault because Chenault, you know, is going so late. But uh, he can also be released with no no real consequences. So it's, it's kind of just something to monitor, I guess, uh, in camp. Yeah, but out of those guys, I, I do like Mingo. Like, yeah, I think he's okay. the best value. Um, I, I liked him heading into the draft, and I love this landing spot because there is a chance he could be the number one target. He could be the number four target, for all we know. But yeah. he has a shot. Um, and not many rookies this season specifically landed in a situation like that. Like, some of the top guys are, like, the number three target mm-hmm. off the bat. But Mingo, he's built like a running back and he has that great yak ability. He can also win downfield. 
So he, my comps for him are in between LaVisca Chanel, ironically, and Debo Samuel. Mm. Um, so he, I don't think he has Debo's upside, but like he's that type of guy, right? So yeah. I think he's in direct competition with LaVisca Chanel. So, I mean, maybe Terrence Marshall has a safer spot than we think, but I, I do love his upside at wide receiver 70 just because I think he could end up being the number one target. Because remember last year, I mean, Chanel was just seeing a ton of targets. He wasn't playing much. Like, that's the kind of player I think Mango can be where they just get him a quick target, you know, get some yak after that, target him downfield. So he has a ton of upside in this offense. But again, he could be the number four or five target for all we know. But uh, in the wide receiver 70 range, and based on his talent, uh, he's definitely worth taking a shot here. Yeah. I, like, yeah, another one of those situations where it's like a lot of uncertainty. Uh, take the unknown who could just, yeah. you know, if he balls out, you know, I, so I like him as well. Um, Marshall's a guy I think I'm not really high on. I, you know, I, I know he had a good stretch last year, but uh, I just don't see him holding a like a consistent enough role for the entire year with the kind of the way this room is shaping up. Uh, Hurst is tight end 24. You know, at first I'm thinking, you know, Frank Reich has used committees at tight end a lot, but Hurst mm. did get a three year, $22 million deal with 13 mil guaranteed. So, I mean, they're, they're paying him like a top tight end, like a, you know, every down tight end. Uh, any thoughts on him? Um, this is, I mean, this is similar to Dalton Schultz where, I think he gets a downgrade going from the Bengals offense and Joe Burrow to the Panthers with a rookie quarterback in Bryce Young. However, there's a chance he could be the number one target in this offense too. So um, I think that's fairly unlikely. So I'm not racing to get him at tight end 24. Right? He was my most rostered tight end in best ball last year because he was so cheap and on the Bengals. I think he's fairly priced here, uh, but I much rather get Sam Laporta in this range. I think he just offers way too much upside. Um, so I think Hurst might help Bryce Young, but I don't think it goes the other way around. I, I, I'm passing on Hurst if he's ever, you know, going inside the top 24. Yeah, you know, it's not really much to get excited about, but I think if, you, if you're if you investing in this passing game, you want to do it with, yeah, the rookies or, or one of these wideouts yeah. who are, you know, 55 is the highest the wideouts are going. Uh, and then we got the running game. We got Miles Sanders coming over. He got a pretty big uh, contract. Uh, and they're, they're saying, like, hey, we're going to let him play three downs here. So I, I kind of like Sanders' uh, RB19. I mean, he's always been efficient. I, I think the O-line is decent here. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he's going to get a chance to, to to play a lot. And remember, Frank Reich, he's the guy who, you know, really was just, like, all in on riding Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and the way they paid Miles Sanders, you know, you don't really see teams paying running backs uh in the, in this day and age so i think there's like a there's a chance reich might really they might end up feeding uh sanders more than we think because we're kind of thinking back to him with that frustrating role yeah uh, in philly last year but you know they four years 25 mil 13 guaranteed uh, and they've already said we want to get him to the 50 catch range do staley is the running backs coach here um he was he had a, a 50 catch uh or what did he come? Yeah, he had a 50 catch here under Deuce Staley as the running back coach with the Eagles mm. in 2019. Um, so yeah, I, I think just the way this team sets up, uh, the defense shouldn't be terrible, but it should be one of those offenses that they're probably gonna have to be running back centric, uh, just to start at least. So yeah, I like I, I'm 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 in on Sanders here uh, at RB19. What about you? Yeah, he was he was tricky to project um just like about a month ago because I wasn't sure um, you know, on his receiving role. So it's been encouraging to hear that that. 
Yeah. They want him to be a three down back. And like you said, he he's flashed out in the past. It's not like he can't catch the ball. They just didn't use him that way. So he's one of the few backs that has true three down upside in this range. So, well, he, he probably won't be as efficient going from the Eagles who have a great offensive mm-hmm. line. You know, they score a ton of points to the Panthers. They, they still have a decent offensive line, like you said. Um, so I, I could get behind him here and that, that hinders on him catching, you know, 40 pass, uh, 40 plus passes, which I, it sounds more likely. So the, the more we've been hearing about his receiving usage, the more I've been in on Sanders at RB 20 here. Yeah. Like I just so, like that. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. And, and yeah, like I was saying earlier, like Bryce Young, he doesn't like to scramble as much as people think like he would be willing to check it down to Sanders. Definitely more so than like a Jalen hurts. But I think Sanders, like he should be close to a workhorse back if we're trusting the coach speak here. Yeah, and I mean, just we've seen it with Reich, though, just in, you know, giving these backs. Yeah. And, the, like, the money, like, everything kind of lines up to that to suggest that, you know, we've seen it with Reich. The money is there. Um, yeah. You know, there's kind of – it's not like they they have, like, a alpha dog receiver, so he could get a decent amount of pass catching work. Um, so, yeah, I, I like Sanders here. Uh, the backup, the handcuff, probably Chuba Hubbard at this point. Um, he's going to RB58. Don't hate it, you know, especially if – you know, think Sanders is going to be a three down back. Hubbard might be a three down back if Sanders goes down. So I don't hate it. Um, any any thoughts on Hubbard? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think at RB58, uh, you're not expecting Hubbard to put up numbers as long as Sanders is healthy. I don't think we should. Um, but if Sanders were to go down, uh, I think he does have RB23 type of upside. I can't, I know you like Blackshear, but I, I can't imagine <laughs> eating in his role too much. So he doesn't have that much competition that's key when looking at backs in this range i think i would still go with jerome Ford, chase brown or jalen warren in this range and then hubbard would be just behind them i think he's like the fourth best in these running backs going like the late 50s yeah i do like uh uh warren a, a lot uh brown yeah. still still want to make sure he wins that number two job um but uh and, and then ford looks like yeah he, he looks like he's in the driver's seat so yeah but, uh, yeah I, I do think hubbard's interesting here uh okay what uh who are your sleepers or undervalued guys for the panthers to recap jonathan mingo for sure i think especially if he he falls outside of the top 65 top 70 um he just has the widest range of outcomes where he could be the number one target based on how they want to use him uh he certainly has that ability he's good with the ball in his hands he can win downfield so he just he has the higher ceiling um uh, you know dj chark probably does have the higher ceiling, but I think Mingo has the best value at wide receiver seven right now. Yeah. I like, uh, I, I like, I like, I do like Chark. I think Chark, especially in yeah. basketball, I would say basketball Chark, uh, Mingo, just all formats, just that, that unknown coming into a passing game where the number one spot is wide open. Uh, and then uh, Miles Sanders as well. I think, like you said, three down upside here. Uh, and also some of that kind of force feed Jonathan Taylor type upside as well. Uh, what about overvalued guys and busts? Uh, Got to go with Hayden Hurst. You know, cashed in with him last year. He cashed in with his good season last year. But, you know, he, he's going to a, a much worse offense, to put it kindly. So I, I just don't like his upside here. I think his ADP is fair. But everybody else on the Panthers, I think, is undervalued. So you're going to have to go with uh, Hayden Hurst here for the bust. Yeah, for me, it's Steven. I, I just think yeah, I just think yeah. there's a lot of guys that could kind of – like. I, I, I just I don't think even if he starts the year as a number one, I don't think he'll last. And there are just enough red flags for me to um, you know, to, to be pretty worried about him. 
Buccaneers. That's that's what we got to finish up with here. Bucks uh, are expected to be in the cellar of this division now. Tom Brady uh, no longer there. We also got uh, Byron Leftwich, the OC. He's out. In comes Dave Canales, who uh, was the Seattle Seahawks quarterback coach credited with turning around Geno Smith. So um, what can he do with Baker Mayfield, who's going at QB 33? <laughs> it's never a good sign when there's 32 teams in the league and your top quarterback is going at QB 33. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I mean, th- this is shaping up to be a true you know, camp battle between Baker and Kyle Trask, apparently. Uh, but the one thing going for whoever starts is they still have two, I mean, future Hall of Fame level wide receivers and Mike Evans, certainly, and Chris Godwin. So uh, there, there is some potential here. Um, should still be a pretty pass-heavy offense. Um, and I, I would bet on Baker. I, I would just lean Baker, I would say. He's 28 years old, former first-round pick. Um, he, he definitely performed better with the Rams towards the end of last season, which I think helped mix his cases here. Whereas Trask is, you know, an unproven second round pick from a couple years ago. So uh, I'm leaning Baker here. And like I said, he, he has, you know, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. So it's worth some best ball sacks, at least, you know, when you get a guy outside the top 32 where he might start all 17 games. So I think out of the two, I'm leaning Baker. Uh, I'm not going crazy with him there, but I think it makes sense to have some Baker and like Godwin Evans stacks uh, right now. Yeah, and let's talk about Godwin and Evans. So Godwin is uh, going around wide receiver 27. Edwin, uh, mm-hmm. Edvin's, excuse me, wide receiver 31. So they're both going right around that, you know, right right around that top 30. Uh, Godwin is younger, age 27. Now he's a year removed from that ACL. Yep. But then Mike Evans, I mean, this dude never has put up fewer than a, a thousand yards in a season. So, uh, you know, is this the, is this the first time Evans does that? Because it's not, he's, he should be a bit of a value you know, even with, even if there isn't like consistent touchdown uh, production, what do you think? Well, I mean, trends were meant to be broken. So there's a chance. Let me, <laughs> let me see what my projection is for him. Um, so I have, um, I have around 950. So I think, yeah. um, you know, I, I put it at less than 50% chance. He, he continues uh, that streak with Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask under center, but I still like him. I think you can get all three receivers if we want to throw Russell Gage in there. I don't. Uh, at, okay, well, you know, you can get him. At no, I, I, I think he's uh He's the I, third. Something's not right with him. He's uh he got he had that bad neck injury, remember? Uh, yeah, the, the last, end of the. And he hasn't practiced since. I yeah, think. yeah, he's well, like he's, he's out of camp with the undisclosed. So I it doesn't. He's the third. He's off. the third in ADP. I, I'm not saying take guys, yeah. but uh, all three are way cheaper than they were last year, which makes sense because you're going from. Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. Uh, but like I said, this should still be a pass heavy offense. I think, you know, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans were putting up the numbers before Brady was there. Like they're legit receivers, no matter what. So I think we can consider them quarterback proof. And like you mentioned, I think the big thing with Godwin is, um, you know, last year he was eased in, he, he was coming off that ACL tear. Um, so early in the season, I remember he was being drafted outside the top 30 last year, I think just because we weren't sure if he's going to be healthy. This year, he should be closer to 100%. Um, like you said, he's younger than Evans. He's still in his prime. So I, I do like him at wide receiver 26. Uh, you know, you had mentioned something about uh, Coach Speak talking about them expanding his route tree, which would not yeah. be ideal. So if you have uh, more on that, uh, that that would sway me off him a bit. But I'm assuming he'll be sort of that target hog slot receiver again this year, but we'll see. Yeah, so they're talking about – Canales is talking about – uh, you know, Godwin still has some field stretching ability and he has the ability to play outside, which 
it sounds good, but that means he less, you know, high percentage targets that he's been getting yeah. in the slot. Uh, but again, I, I think something's off with Gage. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, just, I mean, I could be wrong, but it just seems like looking at the injury and the undisclosed, just one of those things where I wouldn't be surprised if he just didn't end up even suiting right. uh, this year. Yeah. I mean, it, again, we're a long way out. He could be fine, but um, either way, I don't think he factors in too much, but he could play the slot. Well, God would play it outside. You know, that could be kind of how they go about it if, mm-hmm. if that's the lineup. So, uh, but I'm kind of with you. I, I think at 27 for Godwin and 31 for Evans, I still think there's probably more upside than down. You know, like mm-hmm. th- these guys are going to be running a ton of routes. If the team is bad, then they're going to have to throw. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, 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 I'm fine with those, these guys at this range. Like, I'm not like rushing to get them, but I don't think they're going to bust because the market is kind of factored in the down yeah. pretty appropriately. Um yeah. And then Kate Otten's 33, tight end 33. He's a 2022 20, uh, fourth rounder. Uh, the A dot wasn't great last year, under six. Uh, actually, the underlying metrics weren't great last year. Uh, 14% <laughs> target per route. But like he also, I don't think he has much competition. Cameron Braid is gone. They drafted this guy, Payne Durham, but uh, that's a day three pick. Coquif is more of like a fullback, H back tight end you know hybrid guys so i don't know what do you think of Otten here at 33 among tight ends i mean he he does seem a bit cheap as the likely week one starter yeah. at tight end 33 and like you said fifth rounder you know Payne durham uh could make some noise it's just unlikely and Otten was able to hold off Brait and even kyle rudolph who you know <laughs> they're not great but he was able to you know warrant playing time and he was running uh you know over an 80 percent routes run rate like five of the final 10 games or so so i mean he's probably going to be a workhorse tight end on day one so um you can't say that about many tight ends outside of the top 30 so i think he makes a ton of sense there like you said the underlying metrics weren't great like i don't think he's a fantastic prospect but just based on the volume alone i mean if if you're in a league where you're taking tight ends in this range i think he does make sense yeah, I think I think he beats his ADP if he's if he's healthy. Yeah, um, you know, yep. going going outside the top thirty-two is a starting <laughs> tight end. Um, so yeah, uh, and then we got the running the backfield with Rashad White, year two guy, third rounder last last year. Another guy not really promising. Uh, underlying metrics, fifty uh, eighth yep. of sixty qualifiers in yards after contact according to PFF at two point three, fifty seventh of sixty in elusiveness rating we've heard the, some some rumors about uh potentially adding ezekiel elliott kareem hunt uh even some dalvin cook I, I think that's a lot less likely um but there you know chase edmonds and sean tucker uh undrafted guy are behind him so there's not a ton behind him as of now uh, so what are you doing with white at rb 25 yeah so i mean he has the inside track to be the week one starter um, with Leonard Fournette gone, but he does have some competition with, you know, Chase Edmonds and Sean Tucker. Um, you know, why I liked white heading into his rookie season, you know, talented third round pick out of Arizona state, but he was more known for his pass catching ability. So I think um, he, he should have that role this year, obviously, but he did struggle as a runner. Um, like you mentioned, he ranked 56 out of 58 in my expected yards per attempt. Mm-hmm. model last year which is not good and you know that they're losing donovan smith jack mason's gone um they're still you know scrambling after ali marpet retired a couple seasons ago they're moving tristan Wirfs to the left side so o-line could be shaky yeah. uh, and ended up being more average this year so that's gonna hurt white's you know rushing upside 
Um, so while White has upside as a potential week one starter, he definitely feels frozen pondy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So well, well, they're probably still going to be pass heavy. Um, he, he has competition for early downs and Sean Tucker potentially and passing downs with Chase Edmonds. And that's not even factory in, like you said, uh, Zeke or a cream hunt going there. So I, I'm probably off of white at RB 25 right now. Yeah. You know, obviously a vote of confidence releasing for net, but until we see, you know, what else they're going to do in the backfield, if anything, it's, it's tough. And then the fact that, yeah, I know the old line was bad, but like you said, it's not really, we're not really looking at like a massive step forward, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in the run blocking department. Um, Obviously, you know, a younger quarterback, maybe he could mitigate some of the issues that, you know, Brady's notoriously struggled with like the interior pressure. And he was, mm-hmm. you know, he just had to get the ball out of his hands last year. He couldn't afford to get popped like that. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not, it looked like earlier in the offseason, like, okay, White, you know, Fournette's gone, take a step forward. But I, it's, it's just not shaping up very well, I think, for White. And yeah, this might be the worst iteration of the Bucks team in a while. You know, they won what? was eight games last year, nine games. Uh, so now, yeah, they were eight and nine last year. Jeez. Uh, won the division, but their win total most spots is around six and a half. So, and there, you know, there's potential this team could be even worse than last year with an offensive line that really didn't get any better. Um, like I, I, I don't think the Bucks will be competitive, but I think it's more so due to their defense. Um, so yeah, I, mm-hmm. I just, I don't, it's, it's, there's just not enough there for me with white. I guess that's, that's the way I, I'll put it um, at, at 25. All right, let's wrap it up. Uh, just to recap, uh, undervalued guys, sleepers on the books. Um, Got to go with Chase Edmonds. Uh, you know, I, I don't like white at RB 25. Now, um, if they bring in a Zeke or cream hunt, I wouldn't want Chase Edmonds here, but at RB 77, he does have some upside just because there's so much volatility um, you know, in this backfield, uh, I don't think we talked about Sean Tucker, but he, he was expected to be a mid round pick Went mm-hmm. undrafted due to medical concern. He missed, um, the June mini camp due to the, he's expected back by training camp, but I don't know what's going on with him. So he might be out of the picture. I don't know. It just seems like in a situation like this, Edmonds at RB 77 right now, might as well take uh, some flyers. So he, he's probably the biggest sleeper right now for me on the Bucks. That's a good point uh, on Edmonds. I wasn't even really wasn't even really on my radar just because of the kind of flux. But yeah, if he yeah if he's that number two. Yeah, there's definitely definitely some. He could be there. the number one. Yeah, I that's mean, what I mean. Rashad yeah. White struggles. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It could turn into it could devolve into a committee real quick, and Edmonds could could win that. Uh, for, yeah, for me it's it's Kate Otten. I just think you know he's going outside the top top thirty tight ends, and uh, I expect him to start and 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 play uh, a full complement of snaps. So uh, it's not sexy. He wasn't great last year, but I do think he beats his ADP. Uh, what about for overvalued guys or busts? Uh, it's got to be Rashad White just because he literally embodies what it means to be a frozen pond running back at, at RB25. So got to go with Rashad White. Yeah, same for me. Uh, I think he's the guy that sticks out. You know, the quarterbacks are are what they are. We're not expecting much from them. And I think the the receivers are are discounted enough to where they're not yeah. I'm not I'm not really afraid of them uh, busting. All right. That is going to wrap it up for our NFC South fantasy preview episode here on the Fantasy Flex. If you want to hear us talking AFC South, that episode has already dropped. We have our AFC and NFC East and North episodes out right here on this channel as well. Uh, stay tuned next week. We will finish up with the AFC West and the NFC West. 
You can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore oddsmaker and me at Chris Raybon. And you can find us at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app. Until next time, let's get this money. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.